went to the gym today. Shock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did a little bit of deadlifts, a little bit of pulls, a little bit of running. I haven't got any aches and pains. No? Yet. No aches and pains at all? No. Didn't get any pains in your shins? No. Interesting. I think I'm robust. Do you? Yeah. You think you're robust now? Yeah, because did like 500 double unders yesterday and didn't phase me. <laughs> didn't phase didn't you? Nah. Hard as nails. Hard as nails. Welcome to the Try Me Tapes, an audio journal of an amateur athlete. I'm Matt. And I'm Abby. And we're here to discuss Abby's athletic adventures. What tape are we on? Tape 7. Try me tape 7. Try me tape 7. Obviously, we're doing these in the future and looking back, working out where she was at, what she was doing with her triathlon training. Your accountability, isn't it? A little bit of accountability. And I think um, sharing experiences, I think it gives people a little bit of support, especially if they're doing something that's maybe on their own and they don't, haven't got any experience beforehand of like where to go. Yeah. Like, I was quite lucky. I had a coach and so who could like guide me a little bit more but if you're literally going at it by yourself you don't have a team or anything then you don't know where you're like what to buy or yeah where to go where to go so tape seven we are going on a little journey now because you've been doing it a while yeah we go through all the motions in this episode there's all sorts going on blog kit kit and more kit it's a really comprehensive blog about everything you've bought and we've discussed that in other podcasts when you were writing this comprehensive list of all the kit you bought, it's obviously designed to really help newbies, like you said, get into it. How were you enjoying the triathlon training at this point when you were sort of writing this huge kit list out? I think there's obviously some point in the training that's like a little bit of relief when you're giving people advice on things that work for you. So especially like with the seat, for example, if you've listened to the previous podcast, then you know that I've had issues with like trying to find the right seat which everyone would go through because everyone's different mm. so then when you finally get one that actually doesn't hurt it is just so you're pretty pleased with your findings kind of building this blog then <laughs> yeah and also sometimes it's nicer to have a blog that's a little bit more direct because <laughs> I know that I can babble on a little bit and I might just talk about my own opinion or my own emotions that some people might be like, oh God, we get it, right? (laughs) Whereas if you want to know straight to the point, like what did help, here you go, this is it. So what did you buy that you do not use anymore? Any regrets, purchase, buyer's remorse? Um, The bike shoes, obviously, the uh, (laughs) clip-on shoes, they, they were a waste. But they weren't very expensive, so they weren't particularly comfortable. But I didn't wear them as prescribed. And when I did wear them, like going outside, because it was about, it was this time last year, really, that I did start wearing them. Oh, my God, my toes, they froze to death, which is why people wear overshoes. (laughs) So, like, I know somebody who's a really keen cyclist, and he just said he cuts holes in the bottom of his socks. So he doesn't buy official overshoes, he just buys... Just oh, has right. socks, yeah, just socks over the top. Puts them over the top of his shoes and then cuts holes yeah. in so he can clip in and out. Techers. But yeah, toes were frozen. I remember getting caught outside. It was like blistering winds. It was actually sleeting. I'd gone the, completely the wrong way. And um, <laughs> I'm not very confident on the roads. So I was trying to go back roads, which were 
crappy anyway, especially on a road bike because yeah. it's got no give, like it's got no suspension. No suspension. And, and the tires are thin as anything. And, and there's no grip. And there's hills everywhere. Yep. And the brakes are not. not you can't reach the brakes. They're not. They're not amazing. So that was tough in itself. And then I got on this main road, and I was just thinking, shit. I put my head down and I was like, <laughs> my thing in my head that just kept saying was, I'm alive. <laughs> this is me living my best life. I'm alive, damn it. I'm feeling alive. And then every time that the wind got a bit harder, it's like, in my, like, you know, you know, when you get that sleet in your face, you're like, oh yeah, come on, bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> like Lieutenant Dan yeah. and the crow's nest. Exactly like that. That's, that's how I felt. Like, I'm a fucking hero. <laughs> getting lost it brings me on to one of the quotes from this is about your wahoo element bike computer this has turned out to be a lifesaver my confidence to get up and go on the roads and commit to a ride has grown so much because of this gadget how would you feel about going out for a ride now without that gadget i think i'd be fine um yeah, yeah. i think i've got confidence in my fitness more than anything which i didn't have back then um, so I know that I could go out, I could be hours on end and I'd still be fine and I could get up hills and things. Whereas before, if I found that I'd like come up to a hill that was just never ending, I'd think, shit, I've got to get off and walk. And especially if I was in those clip-in shoes, I'd just feel a little bit like a, like stupid. Whereas yeah. now I don't really, I'm not really bothered if not I look really stupid. Would you get lost? Yes, and I got. Lo I used the Wahoo when I was talking about this this story. I used it, and I still got lost, and I ended up on a main road. Uh, the last thing I like about this blog was your uh, top tip for buying a helmet if you've got a small head. <laughs> and you said, "Now the measurement of my head puts me in the lowest end of an adult head size category." Stop laughing. It's in proportion. Oh, and it's not really because actually they just get that. The actual middle part of the helmet fits, mm -hmm. especially, you know, when you get children's helmets and they get that, that tear-off Velcro padding that you can get, they just get thicker and thicker and thicker. The middle part fits, but then there's just masses of space in between that middle part and the outside, and I just look like an absolute twat. So, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I got, uh, got a kiddie's helmet. Kid's helmet. No VAT. Absolute bargain. Yeah. I think also with that, Definitely look to get something proper. I mean, like your head's invaluable, isn't it? If you get knocked off your bike and you've got a head injury because you didn't either wear one or it's not good enough or it's got, had a little crack in it and you didn't replace it, like just get, get one. However, it does sound like you had an accident in your next blog. Go on. In body, opening gambit, after my shocking post-Christmas check-in, weighing at 61.6 kilos... Not particularly. Can I just jump that in there? Like, <laughs> I'm like 64 to 65 kilos now. <laughs> but you were so disappointed in it. Oh, God. I think at the time, when, when you think that you are training and you think you've got to fuel that training, it's so frustrating when you don't have the right balance, which I think most people get pissed off about, to be honest. And it can be that you're under-fueling sometimes, that you kind of get that body fat layer depending on what food you're eating depending on the intensity of the exercise yeah i mean you seem pretty pissed off if i'm honest that you put on fat and lost muscle mass also i think going back then if i was to go on the scales now the same in-body scanner which yeah. is one that um 
basically tells you your body fat percentage, your muscle mass, um, and then can dictate it like how much water you've got in the body, etc. Mm. Yeah, if I was to go on it now, it wouldn't piss me off so much because the small changes of the number doesn't really mean anything, especially when you're a woman and you your hormones change all the time. You've got higher water retention at different, different points of your cycle. It can be what you've eaten over the weekend. It can be that you've had a bit more carbs, which means that you hold more water. Like, yeah. There's so many variables. And if it really, it really wouldn't make much difference looking at a person, it's just how you feel. And I probably felt a bit flumpier then. And I don't, I think I was probably eating quite a lot of carbs because... Yeah, you I, say it, here that uh, every session for each discipline was physically demanding. These longer duration compared to my usual resistance weight training led me feeling fatigued, which then resorted to me looking for sugary foods to binge on. Yeah, it's a cycle, isn't it? When you get tired, what do you want to do? You want to comfort eat crappy foods. Yeah. And I've probably already fueled myself for that that training, especially if I'm in sort of that zone of the fat burning zone where your heart rate's not mega high or... Even if it was, like, you're still doing an hour's training. It depends on what you're doing for the rest of your day. Yeah. Like, I am a personal trainer, but sometimes your days can be just coaching, so it's not exactly demonstrating a lot. Like, I could be standing, but not moving around, and then, yeah. You said here that you felt that the increasing intensity combined with your choice of foods left you feeling lethargic and needing afternoon naps after the long days or to get through the long days. Do you think these are like just symptoms of a bad diet? Can be. Um, can be overtraining. I did probably, I think at, at that time, I did think I was overtraining. I don't think I was very good at sleeping. And when you are getting into the sort of that overtraining stage, your body needs to sleep to recover. But for some, I, I don't know about the scientific reasons why you don't but in during the night you get like disruptive sleep mm. which then again is into that like that cycle of just being tired you go into training you think you're doing well but you might be like half-assed you're not putting in your top effort because you're tired yeah not fueled enough because you think oh god i've eaten too much so i'm just going to cut back a little bit today which is just stupid because then you won't be able to train efficiently yeah, yeah you've got to keep fueling it yeah consistency is more important as opposed yeah. to like oh I've, I've trained hard so i need to eat differently yeah as to days when you're not training hard or days when you feel tired yeah and i think as well just before that scan i'm pretty sure i had conversations with people i was like i'm not i'm, I'm not into the sort of physique at the moment i'm into performance so i'm yeah. not really too bothered about what i look like and then actually by doing that scan it put me back into that negative headspace about what i look like which again like do you feel that's a bit superficial? Yeah, it is. And I think any woman feels like that. But your response was to track your food? I think there is a benefit to that, especially if I wasn't getting something right. And maybe that like, that whole tiredness might be coming from just eating processed sugary foods that are just giving me that quick burst of energy, but it's not sustaining my training and not sustaining my energy throughout the day. So tracking your foods can be good just to identify what you're putting in, how many calories that you're eating, but... I wouldn't do it for a long period of time. So it's a two-pronged attack there. You can see what you're eating as to like whether it's good or bad, but then there's also the accountability that because you've got to put it in an app, you might not pick up something to eat if you know that you've got the right that in the app. Yeah. Do you think that's true? Yeah. I think when people track, it might change how they eat. 
because they don't want to admit in the app that they've done it. Yeah. And then when they stop tracking, those cheeky little munch bars come back into play because there's no one holding them accountable for it. I think as well that app is available for anybody, isn't it? Mm. But if you don't know anything about nutrition, they give you a number to hit and they don't care about how you hit it sometimes where you can like differentiate of the fats, the carbs and the proteins and distribute what what like your whole food throughout the day. But people don't know what's a good carb. People don't know what's a good fat. People yeah. don't know what, you know, how much protein they should be eating a day, depending on their activity level, depending on like, like their body type as well. So if they don't have the information, I don't think maybe I wasn't as clued up as I am now, mm-hmm. then it's just a bit like you're, you're just filling the gap with whatever you think is okay to eat. Yeah, okay. Not that I was stupid, not that I was like, okay, I'm going to choose a cookie over like a meal because I'd rather that than the meal, but I would put it in if I had it and then it might be over my calories and then I'll know that like, okay, well, I did that maybe four times this week. That's probably where I'm going wrong because I keep eating that sugary food that I just forget about. It's interesting how guys and girls really respond to numbers like that. Mm. Do you think that your kickback reaction is part like maybe like self-loathing because you were training hard but you knew you were eating sugary goods but you were training hard so it kind of justified it and then Christmas on top where everyone eats cheese chocolate and beer and wine and stuff you came out of it and you got a result that kind of said you've spent the last four weeks eating sugar yeah it's naive I think as well to think that you know you're going to be ripped the whole year round you're not Mm. you're probably only going to look your best at like just before you compete or just after and then the rest of the time you're trying to fuel your body to get through the training so like putting in good foods and then not worrying about sort of whether you've got abs or not okay well pushing on which is the name of the next blog oh i like what you did there Segway. 16 weeks so this is quite a sort of midpoint for us in the grand scheme of things And you say here, wow, what a journey so far. I have learned so much. Technique, perseverance, fatigue all rolled into one. Another line here, those days where you commit, even though you feel like you have nothing left, are the most important to me. So 16 weeks, we're into the end of February now, so you've been going pretty strong since October. Yeah, I think that probably comes from some some of the training sessions that I did when... I was pushed for a certain time period that I'd been able to complete something. So, for example, um, if I was going swimming, the pool was only open at certain times of the day and also quiet at certain points of the day. Mm. And with all the bloody equipment and the different sort of strokes that I'd have to do, I wouldn't want to get in people's way and I wouldn't want people to get in my way. Because you could be quick doing one drill and then the next drill, you could be painfully slow. Yeah, so I would have to keep skipping through lanes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm slow now. <laughs> <laughs> Doggy pedal. <laughs> that was one. Was it? Yeah, so it was like fighting with myself to get up at, you know, 7.30 on a Sunday morning to make sure that I get in the pool and I get my hours training. And um, And I've said about the confidence on the bike. It was just like screaming at myself in my head to get up and I'd have arguments with myself in my head to to be like just do it just get up and do it 
And there'd been times where I'd give in and I'd feel so bad for it that I'd try and do something else and maybe squeeze in a, dif- a different type of training just right. to make Move sure that, around. yeah, just to make sure that I've done something. But there's only so many times that you can do that. And it's like, that's probably why I think a lot of trainers wouldn't program themselves to do to for like for their own training because right. they would always pick what their favorite thing to do is and yeah, avoid yeah. the thing that they don't on a Monday, like. So. Yeah. But I mean, 16 weeks, what you're saying there is you were overcoming just that sort of real beginner thing of just showing up, just sticking to the plan. At 16 weeks, were you like assessing yourself in terms of like development in strength, speed, ability? Yeah, I think I needed like a little bit of check-in time. I don't know. I can't remember when I actually went to the club for the first time. I don't know if I ever wrote about it. But anyway, just by being involved with other people, it just gives you that little bit of like competitiveness back Mm. that you are on the right track. Yeah. You have got some talent. You have got some fitness and... Because up until this point, the only real, unless you're doing that with a club, you've only got the measurement markers of what it says in the app from when you do workouts. Yeah. At which point you need to do an identical workout 16 weeks on to see progress. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, like we, I'd have chats with Jimmy every week. We'd have long old chats about how I felt about something. And, but I always feel that if I don't know a person completely, I don't know if they are being completely transparent with me. So they might just be really nice and just say like, oh, you're just doing really well. And I'd be like, no, like lay it down. Yeah. What am I doing wrong? Right. Um, And where can I improve? Because I I need to know. I need to know the guidance. Yeah. This blog, you also talk quite a lot about anxiety. Anxiety is an issue in so many of us. And it is now recognised and encouraged to be spoken about to help overcome feelings that make us just want to crumble and hide. You've been showing up You've been doing the training sessions, you've been seeing improvement, but you've still got anxiety at the forefront. At this point, were you finding like revelation in getting over anxiety or was it still there? Like that, what you've just said, like, is someone being honest with me? Am I training well? Am I wasting my time or am I progressing? Yeah. Because it was one of those things in that one that you said, oh, I don't want to feel this sort of niggle that I've done something wrong or... I think it was probably still relevant. I think it was still there. I think it probably still is now. Like, there's been some challenges that I've done now where where it stops me, where I don't want to do it because I either don't want to hurt myself or I don't want to look stupid. And I just said... I think I just said in the last podcast that I don't care if I look stupid, but it's not that I don't want to look stupid to other people. I just don't want to have that something else for me to analyze because if I make a mistake like I sit there and I think about what you've done what wrong, I've done wrong. And how you could have done it better yeah. and how it could have gone differently yeah and maybe like that sort of out-of-body experience of being like of, of watching yourself do it and just thinking god you were twat <laughs> but you talk about exploring and sharing stories can be inspiration for someone else to try something new like the blog this podcast is made so that other people can find solace in you suffering anxiety and your experiences i think that's so true because don't you feel i know i do if i watch somebody who is okay at something or good at something and they make the mistake it makes you feel human it makes you feel like or them human and it makes you feel like 
it's achievable. Something is achievable. And if you do make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. Yeah. But because of what we're surrounded by, God, we're going down this path, but like Instagram and everything of you get that perfect picture all the time. You always see the perfect lift. You always see the, like the best races. And so it's just, you're constantly having that high expectation of yourself to be something that you don't need to be. You don't need to be perfect. Yeah. The pro doing starting, doing the process to find perfection. Well, what's practice? Like practice is just you repeating something until it gets better. You have to do it wrong to learn. You have to do it wrong to learn, but or you you like set a marker, don't you? And you've done it once and you say, okay, well, I'm going to learn from my experience this time and maybe push a little bit harder or like hold back, which is another another sort of learning experience in itself, isn't it? Of when to be like, okay, well, I pushed too hard here, so I haven't got that in the tank, so yeah. pull back. What were you most anxious about? Sort of 16 weeks in, what, were there things that it was giving you regular anxiety? Probably getting out on the road for my bike. Yeah. I, like Training on your own anyway was, I think, was starting to cut, become sort of grinding. Um, didn't matter so much in the pool because once your head's in the pool and I had so much to think about in the pool. But yeah, whenever I was doing any sort of bike training or running it was just felt like I was just on my own there was no feedback I didn't know whether I'd done it okay and if I'd come back and I might have a little bit of a niggly injury or mm. um push just push yourself a little yeah, bit too hard or or like my time like if I saw someone had um, ridden something like a really quick 15k and they'd never done any sort of training before and mine was way longer and I'd be like, oh, for God's sake! Like I'm, tr- I'm the one who's training, and I'm not, and I'm not even as good as those people. Yeah. But they could have had a completely different systems for numbers. They could be completely different with their fitness, like as well. Like, don't compare yourself to other people. It's gonna. It, this was the whole point. Is that I wanted to see what I could do without having to compete. Yeah, and that, that's how you finish the blog. I'm learning the most important thing so far is the ability to listen to myself and choose how I respond. Deep, man. So deep. So deep. So you were just fighting those, like, resistances in the mind. You were pushing pretty hard in some training sessions, and you were getting niggles, and you were getting tired. We are talking about sort of your diet after Christmas. You were having naps. Well, would you, would you say you were finding the training ever more difficult as we head into your next blog, which is the rest week? Yeah, I think once you start getting the hang of some of the skills, so for example with the swimming and it's not focusing on the balance point in the water and things like that, then you're just looking at trying to increase the distance, which is then more endurance, which is then obviously more taxing on the body and the mind. And then with my job as well, there are quite long hours and different hours. So balancing the two, yeah, start started taking its toll. And no matter what training you do, you'll probably always have some sort of deload week where you just back off and lower the intensity so that your body has a time to, you know, revamp, recover. Yeah. But at this point, I think I was doing... You look, you sound, reading from this, you sound burnt out because your opening line is, hallelujah, rest week. You know, in the movies where an adventurer is in a hot, deserted place and they're desperate to find water... The mirage blurs the town that is so near but so far. This is how I have felt for the last week, running on fumes, trying to get the best out of my last program sessions. 
What what sessions were you doing? What did a week look like? Uh, so I would be doing um, two swims, yeah, about five thousand meters in total. Two runs, starting to build up the distances now because my injury had um, started to subside. So it'd be going for one minute on, one minute off, and then increasing the time of doing that as well. I would completely recommend that, by the way, if you are a beginner runner or you have an injury, is just by working through time, um, your body has a chance to get used to the impact. And rather than you trying to push for a distance where you might then overrun or you might yeah, push through a niggle that then turns out to be a bit more of an injury, you get a chance to improve as well. Yeah. Two indoor bike erg sessions, so on the Concept 2 bike, static bike in the gym. Um, they would have been between 45 minutes and an hour, trying to hit around about 25k in each session, so 50k on the bike. And then I'd want to get out at a weekend for one day, um, doing an endurance ride that would last from an hour and a half to two hours. Again, there would be about 30 to 35k. And then two strength and conditioning sessions, which were about an hour. Um, but like I said, lowering the intensity of any weight, um, but working on core stability and building strength with still doing compound moves, but um, yeah, just lighter. Busy girl. It was tough. Do you think all this training prior to this rest week, was it affecting your sleep? Yeah, it was affecting my sleep and I was getting a bit snappy. Yeah, what other parts of your life do you think? Because triathlon... It's, it's interesting that excitement at the start. I'm doing something for myself. I'm doing something that's going to challenge me. I'm going to do something that's going to better my mindset. And that's going to make you an all round better person for the people around you and what you do in life going forward. There's that excitement. Then there's the learning, the disciplines. And then you're kind of seeing progress. And now we're getting to this point where it's hard work. You're exhausted. I think whenever I'm given something to do, I will pretty much always try and complete it like I think I said it right at the beginning of the blogs where I had a, a system on training peaks that it turns red if you don't do yeah, the yeah, session I remember that one. not an amber <laughs> yeah so if, it, if it's not completed then I have that red and then it's that's basically what it feels like in my head that I've missed something out and I would give it my all so I would commit to the training sessions but it would be like it would start being like a burden to do and it would be that it would be like an argument between maybe you and I where it'd be like, oh God, it's all right for you. Like you don't have to do this or oh, I've got to do, I've got to do this ride on the weekend. Yeah. Not that I get to, not that I, it's going to be chilled or that we can get time to spend together. It's like, it's another thing that I've got to do. It's got to, I've got to fit it into my life. Whereas yeah. if you're enjoying your training, it shouldn't feel like that. No. So is that what it feels like when you're running on fumes? How would you describe to someone feeling like you're running on fumes? Yeah, I think it feels like that. It feels like... You, the things you chose to do become you, mature. Yeah, you wake up tired, basically. Yeah. You say here that it's taken some dedication. Do you think at this point this is something you've been the most dedicated to? For sure, yeah. yeah? I think um, committed to those training days entirely. Um, but like I said, getting up to go to a training facility so the swimming pool or running track or it's hard in itself to get motivated to go out and do that um yeah. and then to complete the training sessions as prescribed takes a heck of a lot of motivation and um dedication which i don't think i would have ever done before because um previously my experience would have been with hockey or weight training yeah and even with hockey 
like when I was playing for Cobra, not so much East Coast, but when I was playing for Cobra, I'd miss out training sessions. Like it'd be like, well, it's raining Show or up, have a good I'm, time. I'm tired or it's really cold. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. And then like it would impact the weekend for sure. Yeah. And then when I'm there as well, I love it. It's just that hurdle that it's like you, you don't. Got to get up and go and do yeah. it. That's, that's the biggest, that's the hardest part. And it's interesting, like, you loved the hockey. You didn't train. You were just doing it for fun. So you didn't always train because, you know, it's just for fun. But in all honesty, this was just for fun in the grand scheme of things. I know it's got bigger meaning, but at this point, it felt pretty serious. Yeah, I've, I've said that I was going to do it, so I'm going to do it. Yeah. that's would... why. But that's why, like, East Grinstead worked out better when I, worked, when I played there for hockey. Because one, it was a lot of money. So mm. my money was on the line. Investment, yeah. yeah. And and two, I wanted to get better. I yeah. wanted to I wanted to prove myself that I was worth being in certain teams in that club. Yeah. And if you didn't train, you didn't get into certain teams. So Yeah, that's fair enough. You talk here about training peaks that you've just mentioned. It claims that your fitness level was at sixty eight and you started at zero. You were talking about your fatigue levels ranging from eighty to minus twenty. And you write here, this clever bit of kit tells me I'm tired. I am tired. When you were going through all of your triathlon training, how important were the numbers to you on that app? I mean, if this told you that you weren't fatigued and you got programmed a rest week, would you have looked at the numbers and emotionally responded to those as opposed to listen to how your body feels? I think I'd, one, I'd always do as I'm told. So if someone knew better for me and knew that at this point in the program, it's better to come off the pedal, take a chill week and then go back on. Especially as I'm a personal trainer, like I know, <laughs> I know my shit. No, but... Um, <laughs> but more for but, like people out there that are just doing this on their own. They've listened to this podcast because they haven't got a coach. They like it. They've bought 220 magazine. Right, I'm going to do a triathlon. I'm going to find something for amateurs out there. They've got the Training Peaks app and they've like had maybe like someone just program in some stuff, but they're not getting the check-ins that you are. They might not even get like a rest week. No, and I think, listen to your body basically. Like I I knew I was tired. That that system knew I was tired. But the the good thing about that is that it came up with a graph to show that I I had made progression, which is kind of... So it's a gift and a curse. Yeah, but you get that with anything. Like you know if you're progressing in the gym like with the members in the gym you could say the same that like I know for a fact that over certain periods of the year people get really bloody excited about coming back to the gym mm. and they'll yeah, me. and they yeah and they'll come in every single day they'll they'll cry they'll moan about aching and how they're so tired and they won't put in their top effort into the session because they can't they physically can't because yeah. they need to have a rest day and they don't it's not always um so understanding that if you take a day off it's more beneficial for you than if you just keep trying to push through yeah you do see these waves of people january you see a wave of people when the weather changes around april may and the sun starts coming out people take their top off in the garden they realize they're pasty and they've got no abs and they all of a sudden appear back in the gym as a personal trainer and as like a, a soft tissue therapist What's your tips for sort of not getting carried away or trying to overtrain in a short period? Start with the minimum. Start with the minimum. Like you'll find the volume that works for you. You shouldn't really be coming away from the gym every time with horrendous doms like muscle fatigue. To start off with anyway, you just need to ease yourself into it. You don't get fit 
whilst you're training, you get fit from the recovery from it okay. and grow muscle from the recovery of it. So yes, you are like doing the training. Yes, you are creating that muscle damage, but then all that muscle growth comes from you refueling, you from recovering. So the recovery and refuel needs to be programmed just as much as the training itself. Yes. I like the end of this blog because... She booked an event. I did. This is this is it. Week 17 of your training, you finally booked an event. So that was coerced by Jimmy, who had kept giving me options and said, have I booked anything? Because it's, uh, it's so much easier for him to program in um, what we should be doing at certain points of the year so that we're ready for the events. And then obviously, once you get them in, then you can be a little bit more um, specific. Mm. I chose this one because... Woking, you chose? Woking, because um, it was uh, specifically for, not for beginners, but it was a, a like... It was a good barrier to entry, yeah. low barrier to entry. Yeah, and it wasn't open water swimming, it was in the pool. Oh, was it? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, sure. So... Um, Woking relatively flat, did you see the course? relatively flat um yeah it, yeah the run was around the park so it i did i didn't want to get lost <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah i just thought it'd be a good one to enter in and it wasn't too long a distance either but yeah, yeah you you paid for it it obviously got cancelled because of covid postponed actually postponed so um you're gonna do it when it comes back around yeah so season two everybody it's, there is going to be a cheeky triathlon. Pulled my hammy week before. Watch this space. <laughs> Abby has seen into the future. I can feel it. <laughs> she can feel a hamstring going. A solid six months in advance. It's tight now. Um, is it? Talking about hammies, your last blog that we're going to talk about in this tape is What the Fuck is a Brick? I think I should just leave this up to you. We've got some audio of this one which we'll share with you just did my first brick 21k bike which took me uh, an hour and 10 or an hour and 11 if we're going to be specific and uh, just did a two kilometer run so it was my first experience of a transition my legs felt like jelly uh, my toes took a little while to warm up uh, but all in all, not too bad. Well done, me. Um, I wrote the title like that because um, that's basically what I thought when I saw it on my um, training schedule. And I had it wasn't until a few days where I got in contact with Jimmy that I clarified what it actually was. Um, She's learning to clarify with her coach what he's expecting of her. Hey, that was me. It's basically the transition between the two disciplines so which two we were doing it can be any but um, yeah we were doing the mid part and the end part was what was programmed for me so it was starting to get the feeling of putting your bike back as quickly as you can changing your shoes if you needed to not me i was already ready see flat pedals everybody <laughs> don't need no clipless but yeah straight into uh just a shorter distance run to start off with getting the body used to the transition yeah how did you find that kind of that change on your legs? Because we've been carrying this little injury since October 
how was getting off the bike? What were you doing on a bike? Like a 90-minute bike ride? Yeah, And then going for a ride. little jog? Yeah, it was hot. Um, wasn't bad on my injury, but it just felt like my legs were so heavy. Right. And because I was training wintertime, my feet were cold. Yeah, you said I could not feel my toes. Yep. Overshoes, everyone, overshoes. But, overshoes. Um, no, it, uh, as soon as I got off the bike, like, yeah, just trying to wiggle my toes, um, trying to shake out any lactic acid that sort of built up in my quads that just felt like they were heavy as hell it was tough yeah how many bricks did you do three or four three or four that would have been my first one if i'm talking about that one yeah mm. so the triathlon would have been booked uh for april uh, the triathlon was booked for the 5th of april yeah uh we're kind of like a month away mm. um you've started doing bricks how you? What was your mindset at this point? You're like doing those big sessions. I think in the you're hearing the tape that I was actually quite pleased with my effort. That I didn't feel horrendously bad, and um, it was nice to get that sort of experience under my belt of changing from one to the other, mm. knowing that I had the fitness levels, but just maybe needed to tighten up at certain points, like getting off the bike and where it goes obviously in an actual event there are transition places mm, um, stations, and stations yeah. and rules and like limited kit of what you can have and stuff were you worried about that really i mean it was your first one were you just going to sort of turn up and see oh, what happened my pants because you come out of the pool and i would have been in my triathlon suit which i did buy i bought like a two-piece um one a top and um some like shorty bottoms which had a little bit of a little bit of padding for the bike ride mm. But yeah, shit, my pants, like even wearing that in the pool, because it's so different to yeah, like just wearing a swimming costume. costume. Yeah. Either like walking on gravel with bare feet. Yeah, yeah. Um, knowing where to go, because I just get really scatty when I'm, I'm under pressure. So all these things are running through your mind. Now you've booked it and now you're doing these like transitional. It's making me nervous now. I don't want to do it. <laughs> but that's what I mean. I haven't, I've never done um, the, the brick with the other way around. I've never got straight out the pool into a bike ride yeah i have done sessions where i've got out of the pool got dry you know put on my running shoes and then gone out for a run so again like the fitness is was there but it's more of the the stress and the pressure of getting yeah. everything right right first time yeah. don't want to get told off by a marshal does, it doesn't matter it doesn't, it doesn't it, matter. well it doesn't i mean that was the idea was just get woking done and then work out it'd be quite funny like me fumbling thing. around wouldn't it putting my helmet on backwards and... my other shoe? <laughs> i need to program my wahoo because otherwise <laughs> i go get lost <laughs> what's the coordinates of this location <laughs> so before you booked it if we sort of like look at some of the, the the stuff we talked about across this tape like you were shattered you were disappointed in in your sort of eating habits which you looked at and addressed but that was a pressure and a stress you were still suffering anxieties about the training and whether you were doing well enough you were giving yourself these resistance points of just getting up and going and training rest week comes where you wholeheartedly admit you were absolutely shattered and then on the back of the rest week can i just say as well the rest week was not a rest why <laughs> There was still some train like when you do when you have like a deload or a rest week, there are some there is some training involved so you don't go from from a hundred to zero. Yeah. So it was still sort of just getting on the bike but just like a light a lighter spin. But 
I, I felt that they were still tough. Yeah. But I, like, you know, sort of when you, if you're into like weight training and you have been used to it like heavy lifting and then you go back and you start lifting like maybe like 75%. Yeah. And you're like, Jesus Christ, the world is on my shoulders here. Like I could lift way more than this, 25% more than this. Yeah. Like a couple of weeks ago, but this week I just feel like absolute crap. So that was a challenge. That was a, like a mental challenge as well, that deload week. I think I was almost angry that I had to do it because it was not only my body that needed a rest, it was my mind. Yeah. So then I was frustrated that it was just like, I've still got to try and fit this in. I've still got to think about doing it. It's yeah. still There's still numbers involved. I've still got to hit a certain threshold. And it's just like, nah. I not as restful as you want. No, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to go out for a long run. Like I just wanted to stop. Yeah. And it probably... You probably could do it and you just completely stop and you it wouldn't really affect your training. No. Nah. But you got yourself, put put your big boy pants back on the next week. You booked the race. And then did you feel at that point that there was a shift again back towards positivity towards the training? Because you booked that landmark moment, like I'm going to go there and I'm going to do a race. I think it was also like the end point like to see where I was at yeah um so yeah it it was like it's coming to an end no matter what happens I will be a little bit more clearer of where I want to go from there Mm -hmm. rather than training on my own and not not using that race as your proper benchmark like can I do it one one race do I enjoy it? Will I try and do a season? And that's exactly what it was. It was a benchmark. And that was the goal for the the whole training anyway. Mm. I didn't think it would be so soon, um, the competition from when I first started the training. But yeah. I know why it was advised that I did it then. Yeah. And I needed it. Crack on and see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Well, that's tape seven. Tape seven, press the button. No. Oh. Thank you for listening to the Try Me Tapes. Don't forget to subscribe to hear the rest of the tapes. If you'd like to give us a review, please head to podchaser.com or to share your athletic adventure, join us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash try me sport. That's the start of the news, isn't it? Not the end. (laughs) It It can be the end if you want it to be the end. You're going to make up an end one? No.